Welcome to the Denker Capital Podcast, where our highly experienced team of in-depth thinkers and other experts share their insights on a range of investment-related topics. In this podcast, we have conversations about developments in South African and global markets and what these may mean for investors. We analyze specific stocks and sectors and explore general themes relating to the fundamental principles that underpin sound investment decisions in an ever-changing world. Cookie Quibon turned 70 in January. So at this milestone, we thought it would be fitting to do a quick podcast on his investment career and global investing experiences. In this episode, Nigel Barnes chats to Cookie, who shares his insights on meeting management teams around the world, attending Berkshire Hathaway meetings, and his perspectives on the global financial sector, touching on the past and the future. Hello, everyone. I'm very pleased um, this morning to be joined by Koki Koyman, who has reached a major milestone. And eh, Koki, um, recently had your 70th birthday. So many congratulations. How are you feeling? Oh, strong. <laughs> strong as ever. <laughs> I, can't, I can't run marathons anymore. <laughs> I've adjusted downwards. It's both slower and smaller distance. But yeah. uh, physically, I'm, I'm very thankful uh, that I'm so very healthy and yeah, cycle and swim and, and can still run a bit. Good man. Oh, awesome. Well, you're looking well. And, and um, you know, I see Cocky most days. And I can tell you, all the listeners, that, you know, he's as full of as much energy and enthusiasm as, as he always was. So, um, Cocky, well done on, on reaching that milestone. Looking back, so out of the 70 years, how many years in the industry? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I mean, I joined the industry at the age of 35. Okay. So that's 35 years in the industry. But before that, um, I followed quite an interesting route in, in, in first teaching and then lecturing at UCT and from there going, doing articles at uh, Arthur Young, now Ernst Young, and from there landed up at Truett's, which was my major audit client. And, uh, yeah, that was a hugely professional firm where I learned a lot. And from there, going into a, a, a subsidiary inside a bank, a failing bank, <laughs> yeah. and the subsidiary had failed. I wasn't aware of it okay. <laughs> because its clients, most of its clients were bankrupt. This is all post the 1982 recession, which you didn't have a clue of as a student, but arriving there suddenly. And from there, uh, doing a lot of turnarounds, I, again, a long story, but I, I ended up at, at of Mutual Asset Managers, OMAM, as it was called then. Yeah. And in fact, because of my background of being in retail and in banking, I was first given the retail and the banking sectors to to analyze. Okay. And very quickly thereafter, Johannes van der Horst was so interested in the then Asian tigers. You know, the older listeners might still remember it was then Korea was a tiger. Sure. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Thailand and, and the Philippines and uh, Indonesia. And he said, why don't you go and, go on a, on a trip and look at those countries. Okay. And uh, I was going to go with Dave Moore, then the chief economist, but last moment he couldn't. So I went with Terence Mall, Dr. Terence Mall, as an economist. We went to see all the central banks. We went to see the treasury departments of each of those countries. We went to see the banking sectors. At the same time, what was important for us is South Africa was then moving towards a post-apartheid era. Sure. And trying to understand how emerging markets and the bank sectors in, in emerging markets worked in a freely, an economy where capital flowed freely. Because at that stage, cap, South Africa was always restricted uh, 
from capital. Long story, uh, I think the main thing that that really gave me is you know, this interesting global investing. You know, seeing all those countries, the banks in those countries, they often had the emerging market crisis with Thailand fell flat, it went bankrupt, and all those banks we saw were bankrupt. We actually saw the signs when we were there. We were coming back, we gave the, the advice also to Kevin Carter, who was running uh, of Mutual's investment from London. He said, there's an accident waiting. You know, we could yeah. see the yeah. build-up. And so that really gave me the appetite for um, yeah. global investing. And then when did you kick off with the fund? I mean, the fund is, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, we, I think that the Denker Global Financial Fund is coming out for its 20th anniversary this year. Yeah. Um, but actually had a bit of a life before that, didn't it? Yeah. I mean, maybe yeah. just fill yeah. us in on that yeah. one. No, it's a, it's, it's a good question. I actually started a, a local uh, financial fund for Ob Mutual, and that's still going. Uh, but Ob Mutual, let's say, just didn't have the appetite to go global, and I landed up at Coronation, mm-hmm. who were prepared to give me a toy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tony Gibson and the guys and Louis Dustin, they said, okay, you can run a global financial fund. And that was September 99. Okay. We did that for five years at Coronation. And then Johan van der Merwe convinced me to come across to Sunlum and start something bigger. Yeah. And we started what we then called uh, Sim Global. Yeah. And so the fund as a Sunlum fund uh, was 2004, but the five years before we ran the Coronation and, and the clients came across and the assets came across and we continued it here. Yeah. But I think benefit we had of those years at, at OMAM was what I learned there is the importance of data and you know, just being able to compare companies across the globe. And for that, you needed models. So we started building models. Um, we saw got about 400 models, individual models for each individual large bank in the world. Sure. And I had a team, fortunate people like, like Laura and Liesl who helped me with that. To be able to compare any bank with any other bank in the world, not only now, but we can compare it to 2008, to 2003, to and you know compare different periods and learn from that. Yeah, sure, okay. And what have been your, yeah, you know, two or three sort of lasting memories of 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 the last 20 years or so of of, of running the fund? And I mean, you've been on some great trips around the world, yeah. met some interesting people. Yeah. Um, how many Berkshire Hathaway meetings have you been to now? Yeah, I think this year will be my, I think it's the 25th when we go this year. So that's quite a lot. And that yeah. there was thank Walter Ayler who forced me and Pete Fulhoon to force me to go to the first one. Okay. But uh, in terms of, look, we've had, the philosophy was always, if you want to find smaller banks and smaller companies, you've got to go and meet the management. And that was still from my banking days. You know, you had to look the clients in the eyes, see the premises before making a decision whether you make a loan to them. And um, so we always traveled a lot. At one stage, I think I've traveled six or eight trips per year of two weeks to seeing companies all over the world. I I actually arrived in in Chennai, South India once with, with Laura in November. And we were the first foreign investor to see this bank, a federal bank. And they asked, how did you find us? (laughs) Okay. That was a bit over the top went, you know, but, but, but just the experience you built up in in that. And and, and who's, I mean, anyone particular stand out for you in terms of management of these financial organizations over the years? I mean, any particular standouts? Yeah, there were, there were quite a few. The, The one that impressed me in the early days, the most, 
um, was was Dika Vakovic at uh, the guy who started well started built Wells Fargo into the giant it was now. Yeah. Uh, Wells Fargo was just actually it was almost still a small cap then. Used to go to the UBS conferences in New York with Francois Hoss and, and and their SA managements uh, would also go there as well. And you discuss all these banks, but Wells just stood out. They were the first to really grow pan national, if you call it that, in the yeah. US from from California. Yeah. And they believed in this cross selling. They had a huge different culture. This guy was always driving his staff in client satisfaction. It all went wrong. Post 2012, 14, sure, sure. but it was an amazing business. But you know, if you if you think of other businesses uh, in Turkey, are really the Turkish managements were really good. There was a little bank we loved at TSKB um, in South Africa, you know, Capitec. Still, sure. I think in all my years, there's only been one business that that beats Capitec just in terms of vision and growth, and that was Tinkoff. Okay. In, Russia. in Russia. And sadly, you know, that ended when Russia invaded Ukraine. But that sure. was an amazing management team. Okay, interesting. And I mean, just going back to the to the Berkshire Hathaway situation, obviously, um, you know, with Charlie passing, things are going to look different at the meeting this year. I mean, you're going yeah. um, at the end of May, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any thoughts about how that landscape might look going forward? Yeah. I mean, if you, if you quickly just think back, um, I went the first time – in I think it was 2000 when uh, Tech Bubble was still on the go, uh, and and people were pleading with Charlie and 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 Warren, Mr. Buffett, Mr. Munger, please, please buy some tech shares. Yeah. <laughs> and they said, look, we refuse to invest in something we don't understand. And then, you know, they were always having a go with each other. And Charlie was always very direct. You know, we don't invest in turds. Not sure. <laughs> Uh, we only invest in what happens. But then the next year, when the tech bubble had collapsed, you know, investors standing up and thanking them and saying, Mr. Munger, Mr. Buffett, thank you so much for not investing in. Uh, and then obviously the next one, 2007, eight, again, where there was shocking behavior on this part of the rating agencies, the accounting firms, the banks, and, you know, Charlie used some very choice words to describe the behavior of what was going on. And uh, by the way, there was a, th- a week period there that I couldn't sleep, but you know, there's stuff, I can always still talk about that. But now with Charlie gone, yeah, I, I, I'm definitely going, we're taking a group this year. Um, but I think a lot of investors started coming really for the interaction, Charlie and, and Warren. You know, when you've got two people, 99 and 93, with all that experience of strong personalities, and being prepared in front of 40,000 people to disagree with one another. Yeah. And straightforwardly so, and with humor. You know, so that we missed. So I, I'm not sure how it's going to go from here onward with only Warren. He will obviously bring Greg Abel and Ajit and so in, but it won't be quite the same. So I, it will most probably deteriorate, but we'll, we'll follow it. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, because you've got a few years to go then, eh? I mean, those boys are in the 90s. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. A bit of time to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Um, and just, just to finish off, I mean, in terms of the, the sort of market cycle and, and the financial sector, we're going to do a podcast with, with you and the team in the next couple of weeks and, and get into this in a bit more detail. But, um, you know, inflation, 
coming under control, starting to cool, rates coming down in time. How does how do you feel about things in the, the broader yeah. financial sector globally? Yeah, I'm actually just writing something where I reflected back on the last 15 years post GFC, yeah. <laughs> the global financial crisis. And it's amazing how all those events that happen and you couldn't you can forecast them because it's right. uh, and yet the fund and the markets did well if you look back over 15 years i mean it was a lot of volatility in between sure. so again here yeah, i find most of the time we we spend with clients often is answering questions on interest rates on inflation even if you just think back the past five years from 2019 Go and look at the forecasts that were bandied around about inflation then. Uh, recall pre-COVID, um, uh, inflation was running very low. Uh, global interest rates were very low, actually below 1%. And then COVID came and you know, growth was being you know, brought down dramatically. And within two years, we had inflation at very high levels. And suddenly the long bond yield at ten at five percent, and then again. So, but but sure, the environment has changed. So interest rates will come down. Inflation is coming down. We just don't know how much, but at least it will be an easier to breathe in that regard. Um, and but I think, based on all of that, interest rates will mostly stay higher for longer, and they won't go back to negative. Uh, we think. And their model it plays a huge role in, in, in challenging internally and the discussions. But we don't think central banks will make that mistake again of going to such low interest rates. They've learned the lesson. And so that is obviously, as far as my sector goes, uh, it's a much better environment for your financials. And so your financials being being very attractive, um, obviously, uh, being the barber I am, or I recommend come for a haircut. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's still plenty of opportunities. There's still plenty of. We we actually excited about the opportunities. Yeah, but we'll do that in the next. Yeah, we'll podcast. do that in the next one. Koki, thank you. I know you've got to get off to a to a meeting in Stellenbosch um, now, but um, really appreciate you taking some time. Once again, many congratulations on reaching the the seventieth milestone, yeah. and uh, yeah, many more years, uh, many more years running the the Denka Fund, please, um, uh, to you and the team. And, um, yeah, we'll catch up with you again soon. Thanks a lot, Nigel. Thanks, Cookie. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you found it interesting. If you would like to join us again, please subscribe for more investment insights. To find out more about our team and the funds we offer, please visit our website at denkercapital.com. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily represent those of Denga Capital. This podcast does not take the circumstances of a particular person or entity into account and is not advice in relation to an investment. Please do not rely on any information without appropriate advice from an independent financial advisor. The value of investments may go down as well as up, and past performance is not a guide to future performance. Denga Capital is an authorized financial services provider in South Africa. For the full disclosure specific to this episode, please find the episode on our insights page at www.dankercapital.com.